Hey everyone, welcome to the Wealth Through Real Estate with Empire Industries. Uh, we are a property management company. I'd like to welcome everyone to the show today. Uh, it's got a great show. We've got uh, some great local people and we actually have an expert calling in from Seattle, uh, a good friend of mine that's going to be talking about uh, what they're doing up there with the real estate. And uh, just to give you some ideas uh, about the show and what it stands for and what we do is... Um, the, the, the main reason for the show is we have learned that as investors ourselves and, and growing a property management company, rather large property management company here in, in the Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth area, is that many people can buy a property. And what we've learned, and I've learned this myself, that just buying the property doesn't make you an investor. It's actually learning the tools of running the business of the rental property business. And a lot of people that buy properties, they, they buy them for a goal, they buy them for a reason, and they get sidetracked. And I think the reason they get sidetracked from their goals is, number one, they probably don't write them down. And number two, they never actually take the time to understand who they have to become to become that investor. And a lot of people, you know, they, they buy a rental property because they want the safety, security, they want the retirement for it. And what happens is, is that sometimes gets uh, sidetracked by life. Things happen. Um, it's not a very linear investment, meaning you don't buy it and get the immediate cash flow like you may think because you have what's called tenants living in the property. And sometimes they can pose, um, I guess a nice way to call it is challenges uh, in, in living in there. And so you got to realize that these things happen. And when they happen, you have to be able to have a business plan to wrap around that. And in order to have that, you either need to do it yourself and you need to learn and take the time. And I think a lot of people focus so much on the front part of the deal, meaning what price are they going to get it at and what is it going to be their cash on cash return and all these fancy acronyms. They never actually stop to think about what happens the day after they own it. And they buy it based on all these numbers and all these returns. But what happens is, is the day after they own it, they don't really know how to run it. And what happens is, is they think it's going to be this quote unquote passive income that's going to be easy, go lucky with no problems. And what they find is sometimes maybe they were sold on a dream or maybe they were greedy and they didn't uh, run that into the numbers and they, their lack of education ends up costing them. And so what happens then is then they think, okay, well, maybe I need to hire a management company, but I didn't budget for a management company. I really don't know what I'm doing. I don't have the time to deal with this. So I'm going to get the cheapest company that I could get. And it's kind of like going to, uh, well, let's just say you have to have surgery one day and the doctor's having a 50% off sale. I'm not so sure that that would be the doctor you go to. You may go to the doctor that's probably the best equipped to handle the situation that you have. And a lot of people think of property management as something that they would do as an after effect. And because they don't really ever plan on using it now that they have to, and the thing you want to think about is when you buy a property, and I talk to investors all the time, is that you really want to think about how are you going to get the return out of this month after month, year after year, till you get to retirement. A lot of people think they're going to put the person in the property. They're never going to have any problems with the tenant. They're never going to have any problems with the property. And they're just going to kind of go about their own way. And our thing, what we do is we try to educate investors. We want to make sure that 
we find out what their challenges are. And uh, we've got Megan Bates here, who we're going to talk about after um, kind of what we do when we talk with investors, because it's kind of a vulnerable situation. I mean, you, you've got someone that bought a property, they were expecting one thing, and maybe they came from another company, um, or maybe they came from not ever knowing what they're doing. But you know, at some point, they feel like they've either messed up or they feel that maybe they are not getting what they wanted out of the deal, and now they're seeking help. And they don't really know who to ask. They don't know who to talk to. And so they'll come to a company like Empire, and they'll say, hey, I, you know, I'm not really sure what I'm doing or where I messed up or what the problems were, and I want your help. So um, first, Megan, thanks for coming today. Appreciate it. I know that was a bit of a drive for you, so I appreciate you taking the time to come today. Yeah, of course. Um, so tell everyone just kind of a little bit about yourself and just kind of what area you operate in um, and you, what you do at, for Empire. Sure, yeah. Um, I, well, I've been working at Empire for almost a year. Yeah, that's right. So, yay. Um, yay. <laughs> I made it. Um, or you're welcome. Either one. Either one. Either one. <laughs> they could go either way, depending on the day. Yeah. Uh, no, but so I, I guess business development manager is, is the title mm -hmm. uh, that we have. So it's basically sales. You know, we go out and we, we talk to investors um, just the reasons that you mentioned, talk to investors that are seeking property management, um, or people that are turning their, their house they're living in, they're relocating for some reason, um, and they, they want to keep the property and have it as investment property. And we just tell them about the company, answer their questions, and tell them about the process and things like that. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, you, you see it a lot firsthand when you're talking to a client. And, you know, we, we've talked about this, that essentially they have a problem. Mm -hmm. And they feel at some level that we are the solution. And Sometimes it's a, it's, a, it's a cat and mouse game of them not really wanting to tell what their problem is, or sometimes they don't even know what their problem is. They just know they have a problem, and they kind of need us to help dissect the problem or untangle a spaghetti mess of maybe they have a tenant staying in the property or, you know, whatever the case may be, what they thought was going to happen and what is happening are sometimes totally different. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there are many different reasons that people, just as you're saying, um, come to us, whether it's they have a, an issue with the tenant or they're just tired of managing it. They've been doing it for a while and they realize that their, their time is valuable. A lot of them have regular jobs um, yeah. unless they're seasoned investors that are actually generating enough income to live off right now. Um, which is 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 kind of rare. That's that is not rare. that's the exception, not yeah, the rule. That really um, is. They find that their time is valuable, and they just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, and you know, I get a lot of investors that will call me or, or the contact Empire, and they'll they'll ask, you know, well, when's the good time for us to use a management company? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like when's a good time to plant a tree? It's it's yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. So it really depends on how serious are they with their business. And how bad do they want to let things get before they call in a professional? So it's kind of like, I need to get a root canal. When should I get this done? Well, right. probably until you can't tolerate it anymore is what most people do. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes that toleration is, is a financial challenge that they're having or it's some other challenge that, you know, they're, they're kind of pushing it aside, pushing it aside. And, you know, they've got someone in their property. And unfortunately, and, and we've seen this before where maybe they're in a lawsuit now because they waited too long or they didn't know what the laws were. And, you know, nowadays tenants have a lot of rights. They're protected um, as they should be. And the biggest challenge is, you know, landlords are the highest suit in real estate, mostly because they don't realize that they're running a business. Mm -hmm. um, to, when you're talking to a client or, or a prospective client, what are some things that they have that they feel are super important, but are really kind of 
something that's in their head important, meaning it's not, it's not as important, but they think it is. What, what are some common things that you get that are, you know, that like, like for example, the, I always used to hear the toilet, the 2 a.m. toilet. I don't want to get called for 2 a.m. for the toilet. Why, I don't know why everyone thinks someone goes to the bathroom at 2 a.m. That seems to be a common thing. I'm sleeping at 2 a.m., but anyways, um, what, what are some things that you hear common with people? Uh, well, the first thing is kind of what you were saying, just I wanted to touch on when investors call or, 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 prop, or landlords call, they're so stressed uh, mm-hmm. when they have a problem. You know, it's just like anybody. When you have a problem, no matter what it is, and you're stressed, you are just trying to keep your head above water. Sure. So you can't pull back. You can't make decisions. You can't. You're just kind of lost and you're screaming for help, but you're trying to maintain your head above water. So you're not able to step back and plan and get out of it. You're just kind of like, well, I have to keep putting out this fire and this fire and this fire and this fire because I just have to make it, right? So you have to kind of draw them out of that. You're like in survival mode. They are in survival mode. So you have to draw them out of it, um, get together a plan, whether they choose to have property management or not. I tend to to give them what I've learned, um, which is minimal compared to you. But but I give them what I've learned, you know, whether they go with us or not. I just want to help them out of that situation and say, well, this is what I do, and I think this is the best strategy. Um, As far as what they think is important but maybe not is important, a lot of people think that they're worried about maintenance costs mm-hmm. and what's that what is that going to be? They think it's gonna be a fortune. Right. They think they're going to get maintenance issues every week or daily uh, and they don't have a, a greater concept or an informed concept of what maintenance is and, and what, what to budget for that and how much to expect. Yeah, and and that, those are good questions. And after the break we'll come back and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that. But you know, it, it's it's very interesting when, when people are in that fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm you know, what they choose to to kind of stick to and what their challenges are. And again, all this boils down to the fact that they have a living person in their property mm-hmm. and they have things that they have an obligation. When they when they turn that into a rental property, whether they wanted it to be a rental or didn't or they inherited it, they now have rights that they have to comply with and there's laws they have to comply with. And it's just one of those things that that's, that's kind of the sandbox you're playing in now. And you have to know that when you're a landlord, that's kind of the, you know, it, you have to realize that there's rules and regulations to what you're doing. And if you don't want to do that, then maybe that's not, this isn't the business. Maybe you should sell it or hand it over to a company like Empire and we can take care of it or any company that can take care of it. But it's, it's really understanding the power of leverage and having team. Um, so if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, if they wanted to talk to you about some of their challenges, what's a good contact number for you? You always make me do this. I Give know. my cell it's phone so out. True. Yeah. Well, you never know. <laughs> uh, my cell phone is the easiest way, the only way. Uh, 936-900-2185. But you have an email also, right? I do. That would I be do. a good way. It's my first name. That's Megan, M-E-G-A-N, at EmpireIndustriesLLC.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Wealth Through Real Estate with Empire Industries. We've been talking with Megan Bates, who's a business developer for Empire Industries. And first, I just want to thank our sponsors, Mass Mutual. Uh, these guys uh, are fantastic. Definitely give them a call. You can look them up on our website. And the Wealth Club. Uh, we're doing a lot of business with the Wealth Club. If you want to learn about investing and you want to find out how to become successful, you got to surround yourself with successful people. And Steve V. Hill with the Wealth Club is definitely the guy you want to align with. Um, so on the break, uh, Megan and I were talking about just, you know, challenges that investors have. You know, this is kind of like an, a, a black abyss of, you know, sometimes investors don't really know what to do. And maybe 
what they thought they should do and, and, you know, not having any policies or procedures down. They don't really know when the rules change. They don't know what a, a tenant should get fixed and what they should not get fixed. And so um, you were talking over the break about uh, owners overspending on things that don't need to be fixed. Can you, you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Right, yes. Yeah. Some owners that have had um, have a, a track record of having the investment property they've been managing themselves. Um, I, I bring to their attention, you know, yes, you were mentioning it is important to know the, the laws, um, know what you have to do for tenants. And on the flip side for owners, um, in addition to just staying within the laws, you need to run your business uh, smart, right? Economically, yeah. uh, intelligently, and be fiscally smart with your money because it is a business. Sure. Um, so sometimes owners are shocked or they didn't think about the fact that every time a tenant requests something, they were just doing it. And maybe you don't have to do it. There are th certain things that you have to do, you're mm -hmm. required to do. And then there are aesthetic things or just um, things that you don't necessarily have to do. Well, and you know, it's funny you say that because one thing I talk to owners about is sometimes they want to be right to be right. Meaning mm -hmm. they'll say, I'm not fixing that because I don't think I should have to. So there's the sure. other side of it. Sure. And my answer to owners is, look, if you are making the house unsafe or uninhabitable, you are putting yourself in a litigious situation. I don't care what your lease says. I, it doesn't matter. If you are putting someone in a dangerous situation and you own that property, you may be standing in front of the judge and you may have to explain why you did that. And if you can do that and you have justification, then more power to you. Mm -hmm. And that's the way you want to run your business. The other way is people that kind of get taken advantage of and they don't know, you know, here in Texas, we have the Texas property code. So there's certain things that make the property that the owners are responsible for and there's things that are not. For example, if the tenant were to call up and say, my window broke and you need to come fix it, well, the answer is yes, we can come fix it, but you're, it's your bill because the owner didn't break that and the owner's not responsible for that. But if they say the roof is collapsing, you're not gonna send them a bill. And you know, a lot of people, they, they put in their leases that there's a $250 deductible, you know, and they put that in, they put this strong verbiage in to kind of scare the tenants and, and I think there's, there's two problems with that. The first problem is, is that, number one, the tenant, the first time the tenant calls on something, let's say they're, they're calling a leaky sink, right? And, and I think you've, been, you've probably been to owners that maybe have talked about this. They, they have a leaky sink, right? And the tenant calls on it. And the plumber goes out there and it's $150 to fix it. And the owner says, well, that's your bill because mm -hmm. it's $250 deductible trip charge. Well, the next time there's another leaky sink, do you think that tenant is going to call? Probably not. And so what happens is, is now a $150 bill turns into thousands of dollars in mold because the owner was trying to prove a point because he wanted to make sure that these, you know, uh, pointless calls in their mind were, were not, you know, frivolous calls weren't happening. So that's the one problem. The other problem is, let's say the tenant goes out there and they have it in their lease and they don't charge them. Well, now what they've just done is they have just violated the lease, the owners have, because potentially a judge could say, well, you did not enforce the contract, which says you are charging every time that someone goes out there. So you are basically can be construed as setting a precedent for that tenant. And now if you charge one tenant and don't charge another, it could turn into a fair housing issue. It could turn into a discrimination issue. It's a very slippery slope. And I'm not saying it will, but the point is, is, I tell owners, don't put it in the lease agreement if you're not going to enforce it. Don't just put it in there to sound tough like you're an educated investor because you're, you're going into a territory that could become very slippery and litigious for you. 
And, you know, when we've gone and, and talked to owners, and you have as well, that, you know, sometimes they put themselves in bad positions because they don't take the time to educate themselves. A lot of times they, they run off of emotions and they run off of their gut feeling, especially, you know, when we get a lot of clients that, you know, a lot of agents that we work with, they'll send us a client that can't sell their house. Mm-hmm. So they never really wanted to become an investor. By default, they're an investor. Maybe they're expatriates and they're moving out of the country for two years. And, you know, that you have a different set of questions and answers for them. What, what are some of their common things that you come across with people like that? People like that, their first, um, their first go-to that they need to make sense of is um, can they cover their mortgage? Right. Is it financially viable to keep it as an investment rather mm-hmm. than selling it? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny you say that when it, when it comes to covering the mortgage and it comes to doing these things, what, what people don't realize is they need to do a mind shift, in my opinion, when they are turning in that property into an investment property, there's other factors that come into play, meaning there's going to be a tenant paying down that mortgage for you. So, you know, I get a lot of investors and, and you get them, you know, when someone says, oh, well, when it comes to adding a management company or, or leasing it for less than what I have made up in my mind it should be or whatever the case may be, I'm losing money. And my answer always is, well, are you really losing money or is that just your perception? They say, no, no, I'm losing money because I'm losing $100 a month in cash flow, so I'm negative 100. But then we start talking about, well, what about the fact that a tenant is paying that debt down for you every month? That's, someone's paying that for you. What about the fact that the value, the property value is going up in appreciation? What about the fact that you get to depreciate the property for tax purposes? Mm-hmm. You know, all these Absolutely. things. And so there's multiple factors. So everyone, I think investors, especially newer investors, they get so caught up in the main fancy, flashy word cash flow that that's all they think of and that's all they focus on. And they're saying, oh, this doesn't make sense because I'm not making any money on this deal. And my first question to them is, well, do you have a job? Mm-hmm. And normally they all do, hopefully at least. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a job and I say, well, are you doing this to survive and make money? Or are you doing this for down the road? Well, I'm doing this to retire. Okay, well, if you're doing it to retire and it's gonna go up in value over the course of the next 20 years, does it really matter what it's doing today? It, it, it really doesn't. Because the reality is, is if, it, if you're not doing it today and you don't have to deal with it today and you're planning for the long run, let's say you get a house that's, you know, let's just say it's worth $150,000 and down the road, it turns into $300,000. Well, when it's $150,000, let's just say the average 1% rule is $150,000 and you're renting it for $1,500 a month. Mm-hmm. Well, my answer to those investors is, in 20 years from now, when that thing's worth 300000 do you think it's still going to be renting for 1500 a month? Right. Or is it going to be renting for maybe 3000 or 2500 a month? Right. And in 20 years from now, does the tenant, has the tenant paid down that exactly. debt? Exactly. So yeah. now you, you have an asset that you still own that's worth 300000 The debt is paid down to zero. You get $3,000 a month coming in in cash flow when you retire. And the challenge is, is that, um, the, the biggest challenge is that people constantly are looking at the snapshot of today mm-hmm. when they're buying it for the future. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a disconnect to make sure that people, you know, and that's our job, right? I mean, again, I just go back to people have a problem and, and your job is to go in there and, and have the solution for them. Um, do you, wh- what are you seeing right now as far as challenges um, that owners have currently? Because we just went through the flood. Mm-hmm. Right. We went through all that. 
What are you seeing from that? Is anything transpired from that as far as investors buying or selling or anything in between? Well, the one, the biggest thing I see are um, a lot of homeowners that are trying to sell their house uh-huh. um, and they're unable to. So it's sitting on the market for five months and they, they need to do something. And that usually is turning it into an investment property and putting it up for lease. Yeah, because especially, you know, it was such a huge influx of, mm-hmm. well, there's so many houses got flooded. Now you have so many people fixing up these houses. So now the market is getting flooded with rentals with other things. Now you got to look at other options because nobody really knows what the market is going to do, right? It's 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 kind of like in flux and, and no one knows, you know, certain areas, it's probably like a micro economy, I'm guessing, that there's places where there are tons of rentals, tons of places to rent, and there's others that there are none. And same thing with people trying to sell their house, depending on how badly they were flooded. Or if they were in an area that was affected by flooding, but maybe their house didn't flood, they still could be kind of tied into that. Is that is that what you're seeing, or? Yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm seeing. And a lot of people, um, you know, that that are looking for houses, they are buying those houses that flooded um, at a discounted price. So the regular house, you know, the hundred fifty thousand dollar home, that's a nice family home, um, that wasn't flooded, is just sitting because people are turning their attention to the flooded homes, trying to get that deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I bought a house, so I'll give you a perfect example. In the uh, uh, Humble area, I bought one. It was, I'm going to say it was worth maybe 160 165 from our friends at Senate House Buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think I bought it for like 90000 yeah, Wow. And I put about twenty five into it. So now I'm into it for a buck twenty, let's say, mm-hmm. all in. But you know, it went, now it's not worth 160, 165 now because it, it flooded and all that stuff. But it, it was a nice home. Now it's a rebuilt home. Yeah. But if I tried to sell it right now, I probably wouldn't be able to sell it for that much. Probably not. But the value's there, mm-hmm. and you know, in two, three years when things change, it's gonna it's gonna go back up to that value, so I can rent it or do whatever. But that that's a perfect mm-hmm. example of deals out there and, and being able to find those deals that that exist. It's not just sitting there; it's that you fixed it. I did fix and it's it. On the okay. I did fix it. Yes, yes. But time is money. Yes, time is money. Thanks, Megan. I appreciate that. Um, so we're going to come back from the break, and we're going to have our, our good friend Tarl uh, Yarborough on the uh, on the line from Seattle. We're going to be talking about what he's doing, and then we'll get Megan back into the mix, and we'll talk about how everything's going. Um, if you want to reach out to us at Empire, give us a call eight eight eight. You can look us up on Facebook. We get a lot of information on there. We get free video blogs. We have free eBooks. You know, we don't need to manage your house just to talk to you. Megan, if they want to get a hold of Hugh, how do they do that? Uh, My cell phone is 936-900-2185. And my email is my first name, Megan, M-E-G-A-N, at empireindustriesllc.com. And again, uh, go to our website, empireindustriesllc.com. Go to our blog page. We have tons of free educational videos, probably two to 300 on there that investors need to know. This is very important information that you should know. Or give us a call if you want a free consultation to see what your challenges are. And we will be back after the break with Tarl. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Wealth Through Real Estate with Empire Industries. This is your host, Steve Rosenberg, and we were just talking with Megan Bates of Empire Industries, talking about everything that's going on with what we deal with with investors and kind of some of their challenges and and that whole thing. And uh, it's just important to understand that, you know, again, you got to have that team around you. You got to get a lot of the things that are important out in front to know what you're doing. And so... 
we have a very, very good friend of ours, Tarl Yarborough, calling in from Seattle. Hey, Tarl, you there? Hey, what's up, Steve? Hey, hey, buddy. How you doing? Um, Dude, thanks for having me on. Hey, I appreciate it. This guy's a royalty in real estate up in the Seattle area. Everyone knows who he is. I can't believe I even got a couple minutes of his time today. So I, I better be, I better protect that time. Um, so Tarl, tell everyone just a little bit about yourself and, and kind of what you do. And, and we'll talk about the event you and I are doing together and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, sounds good. So Tarl Yarper, Fixated Real Estate, F-I-X-A-T-E-D up in Seattle, Washington. And we specialize in volume fix and flip, uh, as well as we do a lot of rentals as well right now for single family. And we run a lot of events up here, but most of what we know are known for is doing a lot of fix and flip in the Seattle area. Uh, you know, ego aside, if you do more than 10 in Seattle, you're kind of a big deal. So we do about 40 plus a year and it's been going on for quite a few years now. Awesome. What now? Let's talk about a little bit about the differences, so people understand the difference between, let's say, Houston and Seattle. What What is the average price point of a of a property there? Let's just say post uh, post tear, you know, pre tear down, and then ARV after it's fixed up. What, what kind of numbers are we talking? Yeah. So I mean, it's it's Seattle's a, a awesome city, but it also depends exactly where you're buying in Seattle. I mean, if you go anywhere outside of Seattle, 30 minutes or 20 minutes or 15, even 15 minutes outside of Seattle, you'll have dramatic price point differences uh, from actually in the core areas of Seattle or Bellevue, which is the uh, fancy city right next door. And you can have a house that's a total gut job, not even a teardown, just a gut job inside the core areas of Seattle. You could be anywhere between 500 and $800,000 for the price on that. And just to be able to start, and it could be a full massive gut job, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar rehab, and you're still buying it at you know half a million, six hundred thousand, uh, depending on where you're at. And then Bellevue is the same way, if not worse. Sometimes uh, you can buy a 1960s uh, rancher or rambler inside Bellevue for seven hundred grand, and it's a total gut job house. Uh, right now, which is ridiculous because a few years ago, uh, I was buying them at 200, 300,000 in Bellevue. So it's really, really spiked up. Uh, and if you go down south to Tacoma, which is about 30 minutes of outside of Seattle, you can still buy houses for 100 grand down there and that are complete gut jobs. And so that's that's the big disparity in prices from you know the area. So if you're 20, 30 minutes outside of Seattle, you can still buy $100,000, $200,000 houses. If you're in the core areas, you're buying rehabs at 500, 600, 700, and selling them at 1.2, 1.5. You know, depending on where you're at, you can still sell. There's some areas in Seattle that uh, even an after repair value could still be six, seven hundred thousand. But it really just depends on what part you're at. So, if you're buying these houses, and let's say you're into it for 1.2, and, and it sounds about if you buy it for 800, you put you know. Two three hundred into Maybe it. Maybe two hundred. Yeah. Two hundred in it. So you're into a million even. I sell for one point five. What's what's the holding time on that? And and more importantly, are these end buyers or are these investors buying these? Oh no. Uh, so if you're, well, the person buying it after repair are typically going to be end buyers and not investors. And you're not. There's not a lot of cash flow inside the Seattle area. So that's one large difference between Houston and Seattle. You don't buy, as a investor, most of us don't buy for cash flow in the core areas of Seattle. You're buying for appreciation. And the unless you go further out in the outskirts of Seattle, like such as Tacoma, where you can still buy for cash flow. And But in the core areas, yeah, you're gonna be sitting there 
if you sell if you have a house that's 1.4 1.5 million after repair value on the market for less than or sorry more than two weeks you've kind of screwed up most of the time you're going to sell that thing in seven days or less wow uh, yeah with multiple offers no kidding man that's amazing so the what what do the investor people do because I, I know they're up there um so are they just buying them based on uh negative it being a negative geared property meaning it's going to be negative in cash flow knowing that it's going to go up in value and, and that's the the exit strategy or what do they do well, most of the investors that are buying for any kind of, uh, they're buying for multi. So multifamily, if they're you know single family investors uh, inside the Seattle area, a lot of times I see them have a negative cash flow or they're dumping hundreds of thousands of dollars into the property for some dumb reason to get a 3% or 5% you know return on their single family rental. And which that's not something that I completely understand all the time here in the Seattle area. Uh, and but if you're buying for multifamily, then you're typically buying at still like a four or five cap is what a lot of people get here in the Seattle area. Uh, some people even get three caps depending on how big they're buying and if it's an A rate or not. But uh, if you go anywhere from you know, north of Seattle to Snohomish County or south into Pierce County, you could still get you know great cash flow at eight, ten, twelve percent. Uh, if not even better, if you are any good at fixing up these houses, because we have a lot of old properties in our area. So, mm -hmm. you know, our typical, if I buy a house that's 1960s or newer, I think I'm buying a brand new house, basically. And if most of our houses are between 1910 and 1945 or so in the Seattle and core areas. So we're used to buying these old houses that have never been rehabbed before. So what ends up happening is we get a lot of equity built into our rentals, the ones we keep. So we have cash, we have, not only do we buy them affordably, uh, we build in the cash flow because we're able to fix them up. But if you're buying strictly, like I'm putting 20% down and I wanna get it rent ready, you, a lot of times people are putting a lot more than 20% down if they want a cash flow, especially in the Seattle area. Now, are they doing any new construction uh, in that area or is it just kind of built out and it's just kind of re-gentifying -re itself? There's a lot of new construction, but our area has a lack of land since Seattle area is surrounded by water. Uh, you have the Puget Sound on one side, uh, the west side, and then you have uh, Lake Washington on the east side of Seattle. So the only way to really build in our area is to tear something down. And so you will be, you know, a lot of times investors, that's something that has worked out really well for a number of investors here is they'll buy a lot with a specific zoning at 6,000 square feet or 6,400 square foot lot, which is not very large, but they could fit at a 6,400 square foot lot here, you could fit roughly three uh, townhouses on that are row houses. Okay, so they thing. may go vertical more? Correct, so they'll build a three-story row house uh, on that, or three-story townhouse on a 6,400 square foot lot with, you know, and they could put a couple of row houses on there. So now they might be, you know, that house, that single family they might've bought for 500 grand for the land and tore it down or 600 grand for the land and tore it down. They might be able to put up three row houses and sell each for 750, 800,000. So that's a better plan, but we're building at $200 plus a square foot uh, for new construction here. Now, from what I remember last time when I when I was up there speaking with you, there were you were telling me that um, if I recall, there was challenges with the city and they were kind of coming down on on a lot of uh, wholesalers or, or not wholesalers, but but people that were you know tearing down and stuff. Is that still going on there? Because you were you were embattled in something. I remember with, with uh, last time I saw you. I forgot what the story was, but I know it was a battle going on. 
Uh, that might have been because we got in trouble, but uh, no. well, that could be <laughs> it too. The, yeah, no, we uh, I got lots of those stories. Uh, for the city, it's not that the city has any challenge with building; they love building. It's that they have so many people doing permits. Basically, permits are an issue here, and so you have so many applications for permits for the city of Seattle and, and King County. Uh, King County is where Seattle is. That if you're doing a build here at all, then even a single family. I mean, you're nine months to anywhere up to 18 months. Uh, you know, nine months is like you did things really, really fast. Uh, but you could be all the way up to 14, 18 months to get before you break ground on a just a you know single family teardown and building it back up due to weight. So a lot of times, like if you're doing a rehab or, or a, a fix and flip house here in the Seattle area that it needs to go into plan review, which means you're doing a lot of rehab, you might have to wait four months before your intake date, before you could even submit your plans. So they'll go, okay, cool. Uh, you need to go to plan review, come back in four months, and we'll look at your plans. <laughs> oh, we don't really? Have to look at yeah. So depending on where you're at. They, Seattle's nice enough, though, that if you're you're doing uh, moderate rehab, you can get an over-the-counter permit in like an hour. But the second you go over this one little threshold, you're going into plan review. And that's where you, a lot of us fix and flip and rehabbers here in the area know where that balance is to where you go okay well i know if i do any more than x i'm going to plan review so we're going to stick it to here and do this kind of rehab so i can get an over-the-counter permit so there's there's a game we got to play just like anywhere in the united states there's every municipality has its rules that you got to go through right now are you expanding anywhere outside of the seattle area or are you just kind of i mean you've got your niche you know what you're doing you've got a system down and i know you've helped other people but is that just in that area or do you expand out uh, i used to do multiple states right now we've just been the, our plan for 2018 is just to have a lot more fun and focus here in the Seattle area. So we've kind of over 2017 brought our stuff back into just the Seattle area and the surrounding counties. So I'm only in Washington now. Uh, if you would have talked to me in 2017, we were also in Portland. Uh, but 2018 now, we're just going to stick to the Washington market and have a lot more fun here locally and a lot less stress. Well, yeah, and, and it's one of those things of keeping in your vertical. You know, it's kind of like right. with, with us down here in Houston, you know, we have people that ask us if we can do rehab jobs for them and we can do this. And yeah, we could do all those things, but what happens is is you start becoming the jack of all trades, you know, master of none. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you're just not good at that. And, you know, when we come back from the break, I want to talk about the, the big expo that you have going on um, that um, I'm speaking at and I spoke at last year and it was a fantastic turnout. So uh, we're going to go to a break. But, Tarl, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's a good contact information? Oh, yeah, I'm, we, we're all over the Internet right now. So if you want to get a hold of us directly, believe it or not, uh, the best way is going to be on Facebook. So our company site. Uh, fixated R-E, F-I-X-A-T-E-D-R-E. Just go to Facebook, type that in, and you'll find us on there. You can message us through there anytime. Uh, if you try to email me personally, it'll just get lost. So, But if you go on the Facebook, we will definitely be all over that. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the best way, you know, getting a hold of someone. I know that you guys are good at responding, and I do know you're not so good at responding to email, so I will vouch for uh, for Tarl that that is actually pretty <laughs> accurate. Um, but, yeah. yeah, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about kind of working with investors, how we work with investors, and, you know, that big event that you're putting on is, is just fantastic. Um, if you do want to get a hold of us at Empire, 
go to our website, empireindustriesllc.com. We've got uh, seven eBooks that you can download for free, all about how you can be an investor, challenges with being an investor, and some solutions how to double your net worth with basically doing nothing. Um, so take a look at that. Look at our free video blogs. It's all free. We do believe in giving away education. Um, or you can give us a call, 888-866-6727. And you can uh, give us a call, talk to us. We'll give you a free 30 minutes, see what your challenges are, see how we can help. And we can set you up with someone like Megan and they can uh, meet up with you and talk. And we'll be back after the break. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Wealth Through Real Estate with Empire Industries. We were talking with Tarl Yarborough from up in Seattle, learning all about real estate up there and the cost of doing business and kind of some of the challenges that people have up there, which is obviously, you know, city specific and segment specific. And um, now what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit, Tarl, you've got an event coming up. Um, can you tell everyone a little bit about it and what it's going to be about? Absolutely. It is the Pacific Northwest Real Estate Wealth Expo, and it is going to be April 27th through the 29th. That's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it is the only real estate expo and conference in the Seattle area. And that's actually why we started it, because I always had to fly out to other markets to go to some sort of real estate conference and expo. And I was like, why the hell is that? So we started last year, we just decided to do our first one. We had 510 investors there and we had about 30 vendors. So this year, and that's when we didn't know what we were doing. This year, it's way bigger. Uh, it is going to have over 50 vendor sponsors all geared towards the investor. So all our sponsors and, and booths in the expo are geared towards, our companies geared towards helping investors uh, build their business from cabinet companies to hard money lenders to portfolio lenders to, uh, I mean, Box Brownie, which is a great app uh, for staging and so forth, is going to be there as well. So there's a bunch of different companies to be able to help people out. We'll also have, we already have over 35 real estate investor speakers. And the big difference between our event and other events is nobody on stage is selling anything. So it's not one of those events where you come to and you get sold a $10,000 real estate course. No, no, no. These are real investors kicking ass, doing what they do, going on stage, teaching people how they're doing and what they're doing because they're real investors that just want to give back. Uh, and guys like you, Steve, who are coming out to talk about uh, what you do. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, last year I was there. It was, it was a fantastic event and uh, a lot of people. It was a great turnout. And um, I'm sure this year is going to be even better. Um, and, and it just, you know, what's so nice is you get to meet with so many like-minded people and wherever you go and, and you see whether they're flipping, whether they're buying hold, whatever it is, you know, you can have a conversation with them and you can see what their challenges are. And, and it's funny because it, it's really the same anywhere in the world. Um, you know, I just got back from, from speaking in Australia with, uh, with a couple of friends on tour with them and, and the challenges that we all have here, same challenges they have there. And that, you know, when Megan talks to investors and she hears what they're saying, I mean, you know, Megan, you, you get a lot of, we get a lot of out of state, out of country investors, right? Correct. And, and a lot of their challenges are, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where they are. You know, it's, it's a people problem. It's a communication problem. It's a, you know, and, and I'm a guessing, Tarl, when, when you deal with contractors and vendors, probably the same thing, right? Yep. It's always, and that's the part, even all the traveling I've done in conferences I've been to, people 
people all have the same issues. So yeah, we all think that we're on our own little world, that we're the only one on the island that has the problems. Well, it's a big island in investing and we all have the same problems. So. Yeah, it's true. And, and yeah, and I mean, you know, like you said, some people go in with these, these ideas of grandeur and they think that they're going to, you know, I mean, I don't know how many times I talk to investors and, and Megan and probably you as well that, you know, they're going to buy 5,000 houses, you know, and they are going to do this and they're going to do that. And you're just sitting after a while, you kind of get numb to it and you just, you know, you just listen to them and, you, you know, you would kind of want to tell them like, look, why don't you buy one? Let's just start with one. Mm -hmm. And, yep. and, and then we can go from there. But it's, you know, it's, it's great to see that in the camaraderie and, and the fact that everyone has this push and this drive to, to get to there. What, let, let me ask you, Charles, what do you think is the one reason that people fail at this? I think, well, I mean, one this person that pops in my head is emotions. And people get too emotionally charged in this business. And maybe they get, uh, and that's not just this business, but they definitely they have to buy a house or they want to invest so bad that they look past the objective numbers. Real estate is just numbers, pieces of paper and people, and that's it. And so it's nothing more than that. So you just got to stay objective with it and stay focused on your plan, make a plan, stay focused on it and, and build it and don't dilly daddle from that and don't get emotionally charged in it. And people will do a lot better. There's a lot of other reasons why people fail, but that's the first one that popped to my mind. Yeah, I, I would on the spot. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think it's that they become reactionary and they start yeah. reacting. And when you're reacting, you're in chaos. And when you're in chaos, you're just you're doing whatever it takes to do a deal. Um, what about you, Megan? What, what do you think that you know? We talked to a lot of investors, and what what do you think the main reason is that they are failing or they're not having success like they thought? Um, I do agree with Tarl uh, emotion, but. Uh, as well as probably um, not doing their homework before becoming investors and um, knowing what, having a clear um, laid out strategy and clear realistic goal of what they're trying to do and where they, what they are trying to go and then the steps to get there. Yeah, that, that's so true. And, and, you know, I tell investors, look, you know, you can if you're looking for something for retirement, you can have stocks, you can have intellectual property or you can have real estate. And real estate is just a vehicle to get you to an end goal. And that's the retirement. And, you know, just like Charles said, it's just math. It's just a matter of A plus B equals C. And you you either you can't rationalize math. It's it's numbers. It's, it's data. And the data is telling you a story. Whether or not you listen to that story is another is another challenge. Um, so, Tarl, real quick, just to recap, tell everyone again how they can find out more information because we're going to be coming up against a hard break here. How do they get more information about the event to come to look at it to learn more about you and, and your fantastic company and team? Oh, if people would love to come out to the expo, then it's going to be the www.pnwrealestateexpo.com. That's www.pnwrealestateexpo.com. There is a wealth of information about the event there, including Steve's pretty thick picture. Love it. Uh, and he, so he's just go to the speaker. I'm going page there now. To see him. <laughs> yep. In the, uh, uh, but the best part is that if you type in Empire 75, one word, Empire 75, you'll get $75 off your registration. Oh, nice. Uh, and so you can thank Steve for that. Hey. He just found out. And as far as our company, I mean, we have our website, which is great, fixatedre.com. But to be honest with you, we put so many videos and so much content more on our Facebook page. So just go to Facebook and type in fixated, F-I-X-A-T-D-R-E, and you'll see all our videos. We post videos weekly. 
uh, a lot of times it's our screw ups and we go, okay, here's a house that we have right now and here's how we messed it up and here's a big issue that's going on with it that we have to solve and overcome so that people can learn from the stuff that we go through every day in our business. Yeah, and, that, and that's so true because, you know, people, you know, everyone always talks about how great they are, but nobody talks about the mistakes. And, you know, yep. I'm a big proponent of, you know, kind of coming clean and going, saying, look, you know, well, yeah, this is where we are now. We have a very successful company, but it's not, it's not all, you know, sunshine and roses, you know, th- you know, things happen, you know, sometimes you get punched in the face really hard and you got to figure out a solution of how to get back up. Um, and so it's great of what you're doing. And Tarl, I just, you know, again, I know you're very, very busy and I know you just got back from uh, out of the country, Japan, and uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. So I want to thank you for being on the show. Um, Megan, how do they get a hold of you if they want to reach you? Uh, my email is my first name. It's M-E-G-A-N at EmpireIndustriesLLC.com. And if you want to get a hold of us at Empire, go to EmpireIndustriesLLC.com or give us a call 888-866-6727. Thanks for the show, everyone. We'll talk to you next week.